Hi guys, welcome to the Chainsaw Carving Podcast. I'm glad that you're here and ready to listen to our episode. Uh, Today I'm talking to Sarah Vitavich, and Sarah is in the Adirondacks, and her carving company is called North Star Sculptures, and Sarah also carves with the Chainsaw Chicks. So uh, let's bring Sarah on and see what she has to say. All right. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Molly. How's it going? It's going pretty well, thank you. Good. So uh, my first question that I have for you is, how did you get into carving? What's your What's your story? Well, I usually have the short story and the long story, so I will give you a modified version of both. How about that? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so before I became a chainsaw carver, um, I was a little bit of oh, jack of all trades, kind of master of none. Um, and I started making jewelry. Um, I was doing like all sorts of wooden stonework and stuff like that. And my dad, um, who was a chainsaw carver had a a store, um, and he decided to have like an art show and have a bunch of artists from his store there. And he had a couple of chainsaw carvers come. And so I went to sell my jewelry and stuff and, um, I was pretty broke. And one of the carvers there asked if I wanted to finish his pieces and um, I had never done that before. So he showed me how to use like the big blowtorch and, you know, just sanding and brushing and stuff, which was really cool. And um, so at the end of the day, he gave me a hundred bucks and I was like, wow, this is pretty awesome. I got to see like the whole start to finish, you know, art being created right in front of you, but the finished product too, which was really neat. So I kind of, um, it really intrigued me um, to see if that, and I don't know why I connected to it, but I felt like it was something I could do. And, um, so I decided to try it and he had showed me a couple of things and it kind of just went from there. Um, I started carving, like, I think about, this was 2007. Um, and I started carving full time about six months later. So it just kind of just blew up all on its own. (laughs) Yeah. And did you say how old were you when you, when they were teaching you or when you saw all this oh let's see hold on I gotta get a calculator (laughs) you you sound like me I never know I'm like (laughs) well I mean it always seems like oh it was five years ago but it really wasn't (laughs) um let's see okay it was 12 years ago so okay uh I was 26 27 sorry 27 yeah so that's kind of when I started um and it was it was not good. You know, like I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't understand the chainsaw. I didn't like, I was, I was a pretty big tomboy and my dad raised me, um, as an apprentice to, he was a contractor. So, okay. Um, I worked for him for nine years doing all sorts of different stuff. And I was used to being, you know, a tomboy. I had two older brothers. We lived in the country, um, didn't have TV or anything like that. So I was just used to being outside a lot. We have a lot in common. My my dad, I was first born. He didn't have any sons. So I was always with my dad and he was a contractor. So I worked construction with him for a few years. That's so cool. So, yeah. What did you yeah. What did you do? Like everything? Because that's what I did. Like roofing yeah, and a, basements and all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. Because he, he didn't have a big crew or anything. He kind of just ran a smaller company. But so, I mean, yeah, like I, my dad. Did, I redid a porch. I redid a barn. We did roofs. We that's did, awesome. Yeah, any, anything. Yeah, that's really cool. Like that's my yeah. my dad. Um, his business company was called Earthworks, and my grandfather was also a contractor. So it was like my grandfather, my dad, my two older brothers, and like my dad's best friend, and that's it. Like growing up, that was that was the crew. Once in a while, we'd have sure. a couple of extra guys, but when my brothers gr- got older and went off to college, it was me and you know, so on and so forth. So yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool to anyways, that was what the point was. Um, like I didn't know anything about a chainsaw. Like I knew about all sorts of other tools, but never really had experience with that. So the, the big curve there was the chainsaw and understanding it and how it works and what it does and why it does what it does and how to hold it. And to me, that was the biggest block with chainsaw carving was just the chainsaw. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of, I guess, how I started. Um, okay. It was definitely a, a huge learning curve. And the jump from, you know, having a normal, quote unquote, normal job 
to doing something completely on a like a need or a want basis, not a need basis for people. Uh-huh. You know, and getting to the point where people actually want to buy your stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. That was a big deal. So, how did you join up with Jen and the Chainsaw Chicks? So, um, like I said, I started in 2007. Um, six months later, went full time. And then um, I think it was about 2008. Um, I was carving. I was getting, you know, I was getting a little bit better, I guess you would say. I was trying all sorts of different stuff. Um, and my, my dad still had his shop. And uh, I, I guess he got a phone call one day and he said um, to me, Sarah, Jen Ruth called. And I had never met her, but, you know, I knew of, um, I knew of her just from the very small carving community that I knew at that point. Like I didn't know any other female carvers or anything like that. I just knew that there was a big community out there. I hadn't been to Ridgeway. I don't think I had been at that point. Um, so I got a phone call and, uh, she called me and she was like, Hey, I want to see if you're interested in going to the first female carving competition in uh I think it was Augusta Virginia and I was like what (laughs) what (laughs) how do you know who I am how did you you get my number (laughs) it was like pre-Instagram too right (laughs) yeah and I would I only think I was on Facebook at that point I don't even know if there was Facebook so I you know that phone call was like uh I only know how to carve like two things like what the heck am I gonna do you know she's like oh there's categories and you gotta carve this and I'd never carved anything aquatic and I'm like oh man oh man (laughs) you know and of course I had to agree because like you can't say how do you turn that down exactly the first female all female carving competition um yes please like I'm scared to death and I'm probably gonna have a heart attack but yes I want to go um so I, I like tried to practice stuff that I, I don't know. I tried to practice. I had never done a quick carve. I'd never carved something in 45 minutes. Like really, I was really green. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Like, she's like, you got to do a master carve in four hours. And I was like, oh my, I don't, I don't even know if I have enough saws. I don't even, I don't even know. So anyways, uh, long story short, I drove to the comp and that was pretty much when my world changed a bit. Um, I got to meet some of the absolute coolest women um, in the chainsaw carving worlds, in my opinion. Um, I got to meet Lisa Foster, um, Ushi Elias, uh, Mm -hmm. Alicia Charlton, and Jen, um, who they've, they've changed, they changed my world a lot. Um, Yeah. So just, first of all, getting to meet this incredible group of female carvers who had never seen a female carver before and um, immediately was like, wow, these girls are really freaking cool. You know, like, mm-hmm. this is cool to be around girls who have been doing this, like, for the, the the length of time that they'd been doing it. And I didn't even know that they existed, you know. So yeah. it was cool that Jen put us all together. And, like, the fortitude that she saw in us as becoming a team um, mm-hmm. and seeing the power that was there, that was, that was really cool of her to be able to, uh, to get that all together and make that happen. So, uh, that was the first competition that I was ever involved with. And, um, after that, like right after the comp, she was like, so, uh, do, do you want to be a part of our team? And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, like, ha ha ha. I'm just going to go <laughs> home with my tail tucked between my legs, you know? And she's like, no, really? I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yes. I mean, I would love to. That'd be really, really insane. So um, that was pretty much the the beginning of um, the changes that were to come for me. And my, my yeah. eyes just got opened through the chicks, um, through the other females that I got to carve with. Um, it was just an incredible opportunity. And I, I, to this day, thank her all the time for taking a chance on me because I was a new carver. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And for some reason, you know, she saw something that she thought would, would work. And in my opinion, it did, you know, like we had a hell of a time. (laughs) We still have a hell of a time, but it was, it was pretty Uh amazing. And for her to have the vision, like you said, to see it and see the possibilities and be able to 
kind of like lead you guys and bring you together. That's well, that's yeah. Awesome. Like even with, with Angie and Steffi and like, um, and, and Alicia just trying to make it international and Aya from, you know, like being able to have those contexts and, and have us, like I got to go to Australia and carve with Angie and then like um, all the other girls got to go to Germany and, and carve. And then Steffi and I got to go to Japan, like just, and so many other places, but still being able to do those things and still have the connections um, and still being able to have like, this really cool sisterhood and this really cool like bond that no matter what, like we can always just call each other up and be like, da 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 da. You know, like it doesn't matter what's going on, excuse me, what's going on in the world. Like we can call on each other if we need to. Um, yeah. But for Jen, she's, she's, <laughs> I don't know how she does what she does sometimes because dealing with a lot of females is, is not always the easiest thing in the world, <laughs> especially artists <laughs> who kind of have uh-huh. their own little, <laughs> mindset and ways of doing things and you know rebellion and uh uh (laughs) stuff like that so she she definitely had her work cut out for us for her and um (laughs) I don't know we still we still test her as much as we possibly can I do anyways yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh fun yeah no but she's pretty she's pretty badass just and from 2008 it's now 2019 and you know and we're still going we're still doing stuff so it's pretty cool yeah, that's incredible that it's gone on and it's long term like that. Yeah. yeah. So what inspires you or motivates you to keep carving? What's your drive? Um, well, it's definitely not the money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, no, I, sh- I shouldn't start with that. It's <laughs> um, the motivation and inspiration is pushing myself to get to the next level. And that next level is just a bar that I set for myself. Um, that would be the motivation. The inspiration would be providing for my family and my kids, um, which I've been able to do um, before I met my husband, just being a single mom um, was hard and I made it work and carving paid the bills. And mm-hmm. I was able to provide for my kids by myself which really gave me a big self-confidence boost when I really needed it to be like, it's okay, Sarah, you can do this. You have the opportunity here. Um, even though it's hard, even though you might have to be away, even though you're bleeding and sweating for every cent of this money that you're getting, um, you're doing it and nobody's handing it to you. Nobody's, you know, you're doing it yourself and you're working for it, which, mm-hmm was it made me feel really good and it was a great positive thing for my kids to be able to see growing up um right so that was kind of the inspiration was to meet each challenge that I was faced with and you know knock it out of the park um the other the other part of motivation was and still is um I'm always trying to make my carvings more real, I guess you would say, um, just trying to capture, um, a character, a, like a life force, just trying to capture something, trying to put what I feel into that carving. Um, so it comes out to the customer or to myself or to whoever. And that is a a big motivation to me. And I don't always hit it. I don't always hit that mark. You know, I'm my own worst critic. Um, but that's something that keeps me going. And, knowing that I'm capable of it because I've done it before kind of keeps, you know, in the back of you, just kind of pushes you a little bit. Like you've been satisfied with your work before, Sarah, it might've been fleeting, but you have Mm -hmm. been satisfied with your work and you can do it again and you can do it better. So that's kind of my motivation and inspiration. Yeah. And like, when you're talking about that, I'm just thinking about myself and what I envision in my mind. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, even if I'm satisfied with my work, it's never exactly what I envisioned, which is very frustrating. Yeah, and so and I feel like it's a moving mark. Yes, the, the better I get, the further my vision moves, and I feel like it'll go on till I die. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Um, I I have I have a problem with that, like constantly moving your vision. And there's one thing, and this is this kind of going to tie into. Um, something else I want to talk about later, but okay. 
Um, Ken Packey taught me to go for, and this is also with the competitions, um, but he taught me to always go for an overall level of completion. So when you have that vision in your head, to me, that's always changing, and you finally get to where you think you're done, and you step back, and you're like, oh, man, no, this needs to be here, this needs to be here, and you, you can keep going on that for hours and days and days, you know, mm-hmm. and at what point are you done? Like, to me, I'm never done. There's always, right. you can always revisit, you can always go back, you can always, 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 and at some point, you have got to let it go and just be like, it's overall at the same exact point, everything is done to this level. Mm-hmm. So, and you have to be, you have to let it go. You can't keep holding on to it or you'll never, you know what I mean? It'll never make it out of the shop. Right. Um, that's kind of what I have realized. Like I need to get to a certain point, even though my vision is changing, I'm going to do it on the next one or I'm going to try for it on the next one. And you do have to be so fluid with what well, I do with my work, just with the wood, um, the inconsistencies or you know, something might be right in the middle of it and something will happen or you get distracted or you can't see or you can't see it anymore. You, you know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. so many things from the, the, the beginning of a carving to the end of the carving that happen along that journey. For me, I can't, yeah. I can't just, it's very hard for me to just start in like mechanically, technically. I don't really carve that way. I carve like an onion and I just peel you know, it's yeah. like uncover, 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 uncover. You know, I don't, I'm not big on giant commitment cuts. Um, so it's hard for me to like, I'm just keep going in, in like fluid motion and let the, let the, what I see kind of take shape. But sometimes it's easier to see than other times. So yeah, sometimes I have to force well, I kind myself. Of that way too. Do you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, cause I, my husband's always like, you know, when, when that guy over there carves a bear, you know, he can make five big cuts and it's, and it's there. The bear. And, <laughs> and then I'm over here, like I carved the bear and then I decided that it should have a smaller head. So then I recarved the head <laughs> and I just keep like sculpting it down. And he's like, you're very inefficient. <laughs> so, That's no, too he's, funny. He's, great. he's super supportive and he's my saw mechanic and he's up, but I always ask him, he's my best critic. He helps me get better, but That's cool. yeah, so I, I carve like that. <laughs> Well, it's, you know, it's funny because being in the carving world, you watch so many other people and there's, there's people who just take these massive commitment cuts and cuts. Yeah. And it's like, I, okay. I had, uh, I did that. I think at one Ridgeway, I just, I was look, talking to Scott Dow and we were talking about shapes and he's like, just turn your log into shapes. Cause I didn't know what I was going to carve. He's like, just turn your logs into shapes. And I was like, all right. So I just went, bam, bam, bam. And I took like, I don't know, these six big cuts out. And I was like, that was the scariest thing ever. <laughs> and then I made like, I, I made a, a piece I was really happy with. And I, it was a really cool way of carving that I was too scared to try, you know, because right. I'm like so hard. I'm like, I don't want to waste the wood. I don't want to mess up, you know? And it's like, just let it go. Just stop mm-hmm. thinking like that and just, just carve. And it took me a long mm-hmm. time to, to do that, but I did. Um, and as far as like, when you're talking about inventory stuff, like inventory stuff is different than your, your, your custom pieces or your me pieces or whatever you want to call them. So inventory stuff, that's really easy. That's like bang out stuff where you are making commitment cuts because it's like repetitive. So you know what Mm -hmm. you're making, you know, you're going to make that owl that you've made 19,000 times. You know what I mean? So it's that stuff is a lot easier and like even with quick carves such I don't know if you quick carve but yeah you know you're doing you're doing a lot of similar stuff you might change the position here and there but you get really fast at it really quick so right I don't know it's just yeah. uh got a little off topic there sorry <laughs> that's okay stories are good people like it when you go on a tangent like hey I want to hear about that my whole life is a tangent <laughs> yep so how have you been able to market or sell your work? Mm, that was a hard question to answer. Um, all right, I would say, I don't know. I don't really have a percentage, but um, every chick show I go to, most of them are selling shows. So mm-hmm. I sell a lot at my chick shows. I'll bring extra inventory um, and I usually sell what I make. Um, and I mean, because I've been with the chicks for so long and I do a lot of the same shows, I, I have a lot of contacts. Um, people know I'm coming throughout the years and whatnot. Um, 
Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of custom work that I do that they'll email me or call me throughout the year and I'll bring it here and there, whatever. Um, and then my own business, which is North Star Sculptures, um, I have a lot of local business that I do here, uh, loyal customers. Um, so I, I, do, I end up doing just a lot of custom work throughout the winter when I get home from shows or after shows or whatnot. And then I have um, some local businesses that I sell to um, in the Adirondacks. Um, that carry my work and and that's about it (laughs) that's that's all I have for marketing and selling like I um I don't do I have a website um I have Instagram um I'm slowly working on like GoPro videos but I really suck at technological stuff and I don't like like I said earlier we don't have like I don't have wi-fi and in my shop. So it's, I can't do like live Instagram. I can't, you know what I mean? Like, it's not that easy to be on the computer and like be, I don't know how to say it, but even be that connected, like in right. the shop. Like I'm just, I'd mm-hmm. have to keep coming up to the house and I'm like, no, cause it's already hard enough when you have your business at your house to yeah. not go up and do the stuff that you, <laughs> you're like, Oh, I could do this and do that. And then four hours later, you're like, crap, you know? Right. So yeah. No, I mean, it sounds like you're just getting out there and word of mouth and because you're carving in front of people. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Word's getting around. I mean, I've done like, I've done um, stuff for local magazines and just videos and being on TV and stuff, but it's not, it's a lot of, um, it's a pretty small, I mean, I want to say it's a small community, but the Adirondacks are huge. Um but there's not a ton of carvers up here and you kind of make a name for yourself. Um, first of all, because there's not that many female carvers. So yeah. everybody's like, Oh, you know, the girl who carves or, you, you know, the lady carver. So right. there's not very many <laughs> of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty easy to kind of um, people to know who you are, you know what I mean? Just from yeah. that. But other than that, the cool thing about the Adirondacks is it's mountains and it's rustic and it's log cabins and it's, you know, really beautiful up here in the middle of nowhere and um, chainsaw carvings fit right in. So, you know, a lot of people want them and it's, um, it's not that hard of a market to kind of break into, you know, but you are still a want product, not a need Mm -hmm. product. So that is just the hardest thing about it is just, you know, trying to find the people who, who want to bring something special home. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got for that. Yeah. (laughs) So do you have any tips for other carvers about certain tools or techniques or, you know, technical things that they should know? I have a couple. Um, The biggest, there's, there's like three big things for me. Uh, The first one is reference pictures. Um, As soon as you put, whatever subject in front of you, like, even if it's mythological, if you just put that idea in, into drawing form, like Simon O'Rourke is incredible. His drawing skills are out of this world. I suck mm-hmm. at drawing. I barely can draw stick figures. Like I'm, for some reason, I don't draw well. I don't have really much artistic anything other than chainsaw carving. So I really struggle with, with sketching. Um, that's something that just I'll do it and I'll keep trying, but it's not that great. So reference pictures are huge. And I do a lot of, I try to do a lot of um, realistic nature. So my subject matter is pretty easy um, to get pictures of. And Mm -hmm. especially where I live, we have a lot of it right out here. So a lot of it's caught on the trail cam and stuff like that. But reference pictures are huge in all different poses, anatomy and physiology, how the body works of whatever you're looking at, um, the bone structure, how the muscles and skin stretches, just that stuff in all different poses is really, really important. Um, I try to have certain books um, for a certain, like, I guess I try to have certain books that, um, that appeal to me, you know, like, and I I will talk about that with um, then question number seven. But so anyways, reference pictures are huge. Um, The second thing would be in your shop or in your studio or wherever you carve, whether it's um, in a pole barn or whatever, if you're not carving like outside in direct light and you're carving in a shop or something, um, proper lighting is absolutely huge. Like that is key to have proper lighting. 
Um, I call my shop the dungeon. (laughs) And I really, like, I moved here uh, in 2011, and I've struggled with proper lighting um, ever since. And for me, it's all about natural light and then shadows. Um, Mm -hmm. My favorite is carving at night, um, either outside under lights or in the shop uh, with my doors open. Mm-hmm. Um, because the shadows, they're like just so key. It's just contrast. Right. Um, but they're so key mm-hmm. in showing you either what you need to remove or, or how to push in a little bit more. Um, it's just, it's really important to have proper lighting and natural lighting, like, um, high fluorescence are really, really harsh, especially to whatever type of wood, like with pine, they kind of wash out a lot because pine mm-hmm. is like a little bit yellow. Um, so just depending on what kind of wood you're working with, having proper lighting is, is huge. And yeah, that's a good tip. I know I've carved in bad light before. Yeah. And then seen the carving the next day and thought, what, what, what the, the heck? heck do I do? <laughs> yeah. Or even, you know, what's funny is even when you're carving outside with your sunglasses on, and you take uh-huh. your sunglasses off and you're like, oh my God, what? <laughs> That's not at all what, yeah. it's not at all what my sunglasses were. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I've done that so many times in the summer and it's, it's like, you really, really have to pay attention to stuff like that because you're putting something else in front of you, putting a different like lens in front of your eye, you know? So, um, it's, it's taken me a while to learn some of these little things, but yeah. I've noticed that too, because I find myself take like pulling my sunglasses down mm-hmm. or putting them up on my head. Yep. And then people yell at me about not having my safety glasses on. <laughs> I'm going, hang on, I'm trying to see something here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's huge. And you don't even realize it like you're doing it until you, you put them on your head and you're like, oh, you know, so it's, it's funny. Yeah. But um, the other tip is really simple. It's just um, clean work, like clean workspace. Like I am the queen of just losing 19 tools because I can't remember where I put it because my shop is a disaster, you know, um, freaking moving the sawdust and the chunks on the ground all the time. Right now my shop is frozen. So my sawdust pile is there for another month and a half and it's in my way and, you know, just silly stuff, but it's not silly because it's safe and you need to be safe. Um, uh, that's just my silly stuff. But, um, I guess my other tips that I would have would be, for me, especially on a, a big piece, um, either a custom piece or something you're really putting like your heart into, it's to always step back. Um, when we were talking earlier about kind of losing that vision or trying to keep that vision in focus of your original vision for your piece, um, for me, it's perspective. A lot of times I just am way too close because I'm working really close to it. And I, mm-hmm. I tend to get I tend, my perspective tends to get a little skewed because I'm not seeing the overall thing. So my proportions might be wrong because I'm right up on top of, let's just say the wolf head, I'm right up on top of it. And I'm, you know what I mean? It's sometimes you're the, the proportion of the piece can get out of whack and you have to keep reminding yourself to just step back a little and put it all back into perspective and then, okay, then go again, you know? Um, right. My uh, my other thing is, uh, you can ask opinions if you're okay with the criticism. Um, yep. There's 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 very few people that I will ask, I guess, opinions because, first of all, you're not going to just go to your customer and be like, "Hey, what do you think of this?" Or you know what I mean, like especially in yeah. a, a work in progress, because you have to ask somebody that you you know you know that they know what's going on. Like, I don't know how to explain that, but like I would ask another carver, a carver who I respect and I, you know, trust their opinion. Like if I, if I needed eyes on something, if I needed somebody else, yeah, does this look off to you? You know, like I would definitely do that. Um, just, you know, Harry homeowner from down the street, I'm, I'm probably not going to ask his opinion, but I will mm-hmm. always ask kids opinions always because they have yeah. no filter. And right. it is, totally honest. It, it, and, and their perspective is awesome. Like I have asked my kids from the time I started carving what they thought and they have yeah. never let me down. They've always told me the absolute truth. And, um, I, you know, I like hearing what they have to say and I like that they have been able to kind of grow up with this and have a little bit more of a refined opinion. And they always say, I know you're not done yet, mom, but 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like that. <laughs> I like that they know that I'm not done yet. <laughs> That's cool. And you're teaching them to critique art, which is an incredible skill. That's so hard. <laughs> That's what Rhea and I were saying. She's like, you know, just judging art. Like I sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I could be a judge. And then I, I think about some of the competitions I've been in or some of the competitions I've seen and I'm like, I don't I don't even know how you would judge that. How do you how do you judge that? You know, so it's it's tough. I, I bet. I wouldn't I don't know. I, I don't even know that I could do it because like how do you I how do you not get like moved by some of these pieces? And then when you're moved by a piece and you're not moved by another piece, how do you like judge that? Because somebody's gonna be connected with something and maybe not the other. Right, because yeah, some of that it's it's like a personal connection and it right it doesn't necessarily mean that a piece isn't strong if you don't connect with it somebody else might right it it's a tough skill and I've I've taught art for like 12 years so I've gotten pretty good about um being being objective with you know grading artwork really it's still not it's still not easy (laughs) are you doing with teenagers or who do you um what what classes do you or what grade age I said should you I I've taught elementary art middle school art, high school art. I've taught some college art. So I've kind of been all, all over the place. Right now I'm teaching middle schoolers. So sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Now, do you find, what do you, like, what are your findings? Like, is it, are some ages easier? Are some ages like pulling teeth? Are some ages like, I don't know. It's gotta be all different. I know. I say, I, I like each grade level for a different reason. I love elementary kids because they're super excited about life and they're really passionate and they have so much creativity and they just want to make stuff. Yeah. And then um, in middle school, they get so much more um, like unsure of themselves mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily want people to see their art, but they still have like a lot of joy and a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And then in high school, they they have the ability to do really cool stuff, you know, skill and technique wise, but they're a little, um, they're hard to energize, right? They're a little apathetic <laughs> and they're kind of like, yeah, do we have to, do <laughs> yeah, do we have to? So it's, it's a lot more. You have to try to motivate them to use the skills that they have. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like raising teenagers right there. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Just 35 at a time. Oh my God. 35. <laughs> Sure. It depends. I have anywhere, and it's over the years it's been different. But I have anywhere from, you know, like seventeen to twenty up to typically it's only like thirty two, thirty three at the most. But I've had up to thirty six some years. Wow, that's hard. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, now we really got sidetracked. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> okay, so what was I going to ask you next? Um, or were you done with your tips, or did I? <sighs> Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really like, I, as far as tools go, um, I, I use pretty much all steels. Um, I love the power gouge. I mean, it's every, everybody who you've talked to before probably has like, especially Simon has probably has way more tips than, than like, especially with tools. I just use the hell out of my tools until they die and (laughs) then I fix them. (laughs) And I mean, I don't use, I don't really use a lot of specialty stuff. I have a die grinder and an angle grinder and I have three like hand chisels um, and I have a little Dremel and, and that's it. You know, um, yeah. I would love to have some of like the cool tools <laughs> that that people yeah. have. And I just, I don't know. I just don't, I would love to at least like play with them and be like, Oh my God, this is so much easier. I wish I was doing this like five years ago, you know, but um, right. I just use what I have and, and do you with the power gouge did you go with the bigger one or the smaller one I went with the smaller one um okay and do you I, know what style you put it on I, I have it on a 250 a okay. steel 250 which um is to, in my opinion is perfectly balanced because the bigger uh the gouge head on the bigger one on a 250 it tends to drop a lot more so your balance it's a little got a little bit more kickback um sure. I I love I love the power gouge um I would like to have it of the bigger power head, but I would probably put it on a bigger saw. Um, but I, I love it. I, I use it. I don't use it all the time, but I use it for texture, um, a lot and I use it for fur, but I also use it for bark. Like I use it for just texture. Um, 
it, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It looks, I don't have one. Oh, but you it don't? Looks so fun. So that's why I keep asking people, I'm like, big one or small one? And what side did you put it on? And yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've used it, I think I've had it for six years now. I'm still, I'm yeah. only on my second set of, uh, of blades, like, wow. like the little cutters or whatever, whatever yeah. it's called. Um, I'm only on the second set. So it's, Last. Are there two different kinds or brands of power gouges? Or are I, I think there's two. And I got, uh, Jake got me mine for Christmas one year and it's the Harry Kane through Bob King. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Bob is great. I mean, like he's, he's really easy to get hold of and talk to and send you stuff. And, you know, I know I'm always surprised. I'll, I'll contact them to get something and they're on the roads or something. So I'm thinking, oh, that's okay. And nope, it shows up. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's like yeah. even just running into them and like I buy um, saber tooth bits and stuff from them. Um, yeah. And it's just real easy. It's like, here, this one, this one, this one, you know. Finding stuff isn't bad. It's like, especially knowing carvers, you know, like um, Tom and Donna Seriani, I get some of my bars from them. Um, yeah. But I just, I don't, I don't really... I don't buy a lot of new saws. I like I said, I just use them till they die, and then I just I just go with what I know. I don't tend to get brand new stuff. A, I can't afford it, and B, a lot of them have like computer chips, and I I fix everything myself. Um, yeah. So it's a lot easier. Cool. It's a simple machine, you know. It's a simple engine machine. When you start putting computer components into things, um, it really slows down your uh, your process of fixing yeah. them. So. Yeah. The less computer parts and chainsaws is better for me. Um, but that's why I just tend to just get older ones <laughs> just cause I can fix them. Right. But the anti-vibes mm-hmm. on the new ones are incredible. Um, and if I could, I would definitely get the new saws just because of the, the vibrations, the, how much they've been cut down, you know? That is true. I have noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's all I pretty I much like to oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, when you mentioned just getting stuff from, you know, Bob and Cindy or um, Tom and Donna, the cool thing, too, is being able to buy from a carver and ask them, you know, I've asked Tom before, I have this saw and this bar and what should I be doing? Oh, no, no, no. You should get a different sprocket and you should run this chain. And and it's great getting that advice, too. Yeah. And when I... um... I've learned so much because when I first started, like I told you, I didn't know anything about the chainsaw and just doing this, <laughs> I've learned so much and I'm sure a lot of it has been wrong and I've probably done so many bad things to chainsaws that I shouldn't have done. But, you know, <laughs> now I, now I know kind of what I'm doing and what goes on what and, you know, like just simple stuff with sharpening your saw and just changing angles on your, um, when you sharpen and just little mm-hmm. tricks like that, um, taking down your, taking down your rakers and just little things like you learn just over the years and you kind of dial into exactly how you like your chainsaw, like how you like your chainsaw to run and how you like it to perform and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, and breaking in a new saw is always fun. And I don't know, you just kind of get, you just kind of learn what you like, but I also learn so much by watching other people, like just watching how they take care of their saws. Like when I was in Japan uh, with, with KG, I mean, every single night after we were done carving, he was, he would wipe down his saws and blow them out. Like all of it, blow, take the bar off, everything, blow the whole thing out, clean it. Like, bam, it's like sparkling brand new again. You know what I mean? Like so meticulous. Exactly. But they last so long. And I'm just like, why don't I do this? Why don't I ever do this? I'm like, oh yeah, Sarah, cause you're, you're lazy and you just throw your saw down when you're done. Cause you're going to be right back out there tomorrow. But you know, like it's just, it's, everybody is so different in the way that they take care of their stuff and the way that they prepare their stuff. And you just, you really do learn a lot just by like, just by watching, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, also to tie back into, um, oh, we haven't gotten there yet, but that's one thing I I love about events is, is that part of it. Oh yeah. And that was actually my next thing was, I was going to ask you, um, what are some of your favorite things about events? And then like, what types of events do you like the most or what are your favorite? Well, so I kind of broke that into two because, Um, I do the chick shows and then competitions. And so chick shows are really fun because, like, as you know, sometimes there's two girls, four girls, 
whatever. Sometimes there's just one. Um, yeah. So when it's not a chick's comp or anything, it's just all quick carves, um, which are, are fun. They're fast and they're just fun. Um, mm-hmm. I like them because you just, sometimes they're one day, sometimes they're five days, but you're always talking to people. Um, you're always showing people um, just new ways of doing things. Um, there's, you know, strong females out there doing this, um, just kind of opening people's minds, which they're pretty open now. I mean, the chicks have been around for a while. Females have been doing this since what, um, Judy McVeigh and um, Susan Miller. Am I saying it right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's, I mean, that's from, what I don't but the sixties, like she was one of the first female carvers, I think, um, which I would love to meet by the way, off topic. But anyways, um, (laughs) you know, just stuff like that. Um, just being able to be like, have a female out there doing some really cool stuff, uh, in the public eye is always great. Um, so it's fast, it's fun. Um, you're creating in a very short amount of time from beginning to end people, you know, standing around watching, um, just kind of, I love that aspect of it. I love the fast and furious and um, let the sawdust settle and then, ta-da, you know what I mean? Like, I love that aspect of it. It's just really, really cool for people to just watch. And yeah. um, it just, it, as soon as you start that saw, the, the people just come. As All you have to do is start the chainsaw and there's people. Like, it's amazing mm-hmm. how fast people come um, when they hear it. And I think I love that aspect of it. Um, just that it can draw a crowd so quick. Um, and it's kind of, it, it's, it is performance art and it's fun um, just to play around a little bit, you know, especially when there's like two or three um, girls at chick shows and you just, you know, you're like shooting a rooster at them or something like, it's just, it's a fun uh, vibe and it's extremely dangerous, but it's still fun, you know? Yeah. So I love that part of it. Um, and when it comes to comps, comps are like, I kind of have a love hate because I love the the competition atmosphere. I love um, meeting new carvers, um, just seeing different styles um, that people bring to the table. Like uh, when I got to carve with Hikaru uh, Kodomo, I was, I, I have no words for him. I have absolutely no words for him. Uh, he just rocks my socks. Like the smoothness that he can get in these faces and, I, I just, I can't, I got no words. Like yeah. I got nothing. I, I, when, when I stepped away from my piece and I went and looked at his, I swear to God, my jaw was on the floor and I was like, who are you? <laughs> Where did you come from? <laughs> like, how can yeah. you even be human? You are just like, he really, he's, he's, I wish I could get inside his head and just see what he's seeing because it's so freaking cool. Like I, yeah. I love his ideas and what he comes up with. And the execution is just beyond anyways sorry (laughs) um but I love that about comps I love being able to to see all that and even though I'm I'm still creating and doing something over here like it's still so cool to just watch everybody like even Roderick Brown when I was out there and um and uh Paul and Jacob like it was just it was really really cool to just watch all this incredible stuff being done in a short amount of time um competitions always make me push myself because there's peer pressure there, you know, like you're carving oh, yeah. in front of other carvers, like your reputation is kind of on the line, you know, like, um, you, you've gotta, you gotta put your money where your, you know, what is it? Money where your mouth is. I don't know. I always suck at those things. Good. Yeah. You just, you know what I mean? Like you can't just show up and like not put everything that you have into this, you know, like, right for me that's what it's about it's like I'm coming here I'm gonna prove myself I'm gonna do the best of my ability and you know let 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 it happen however it's gonna happen it's gonna happen um the right yeah I feel like there's that peer pressure and then there's also it it, I mean it it depends on who's there and their attitudes and kind of how it's going but there's also usually like a just a creative energy oh, and people that buzz. feed off each other yeah yeah and that is highly dependent on on who's there you know yeah. and the connections that you have you know what i mean but there's i love the after like when you're done for the day and you're all just kind of standing around looking at what you've done and how, how far you've gotten and you know just like seeing 
what you've gotten done in that day, you know, and where you're going to go next, like the expectation of the next day and what's to come. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's cool. I like that part of it. Um, the, uh, I think the hard part of competitions always is just the judging. Um, it never is going to go how you think it's going to go in my, yeah. in my experience. And I don't have that great of experience. I don't have like, I haven't done like millions of comps, you know, um, it's just never going to be the way you think it's going to be. And that's okay. Yeah. That's, that's cool. It's like, as long as you are happy with what you did, then that, that should be it. And I, I think the other thing is um, there's the difference between like judging and then when carvers judge, you know what I mean? Like the, um, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. I've been to some comps where carvers are the judges of each other, you know? And I kind of like that. I kind of like it because you're getting judged by your peers and they understand the complicatedness of cuts and they understand like, unless you have carvers that are judges, you know what I mean? But, um, I like being judged by my peers, I think. And just kind of knowing where I stand on things. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like a validation kind of, um, mm-hmm. it could be, or it could be like, oh crap, I'm 10th. <laughs> I suck. I'm going to go home and die. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just depends, but I don't know. I kind of like that because I want to be, I want to be judged and found like, all right, cool. You did a good job, Sarah. Like, this is what you can fix. And you should know that about yourself. You, know, you should know what you're going to fix. And I don't know, just kind of where you stand on things. Like, it's just kind of cool to know that. I know. And I typically, a lot of times after a comp, I if I, if I know who the judges are, I'll go and ask them, you know, can you tell me why I placed sixth or wherever I placed and, and give me a little bit of critique. And sometimes the judges right away are like, wait, whoa, then backing up, like, cause you know, emotions get really high yeah. and you think you're coming at them to be like, listen here. Right. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, I legit just want to know, like, how can I improve? And then, you know, and then they kind of realize that I'm not, coming attacking them right yeah oh okay I'll talk I'll talk with you and you know obviously they only tell you their opinion they're not gonna throw all their judges under the bus but um yeah so I always want to know like you said where where can I improve how did I do and yeah yeah definitely um I I mean the only thing I I just want to stress about comps is just the fact that generally you're just pushing yourself as much as you can and I think that's I love a challenge um and I I, I think that's why I like the quick carves and comps because quick carves are always, always a challenge. Like it's always a challenge to try to get better um, in a shorter amount of time. Like, yeah, you can carve a bear, but can you carve a really, really nice bear? <laughs> you know, like every time you're trying to do, try to, you know, try to give it your all, I guess. And I forget that a lot with quick carves. Cause I'm like, oh, I was just a quick carve. And I don't, sometimes I don't take right. it like as seriously as I think I should. And I think if I took it a little bit more seriously, the level of my work with quick carves would go up a little bit. So mm-hmm. I, it's, it's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of like reflective there for a minute. Just, I should be doing my best in all, not just, I shouldn't be just pushing myself in comps or in custom pieces or in, you know, um, me pieces. I should be pushing myself even with smaller stuff and quick carves, you know, right. It's an easy thing to forget. Yeah, I, I forget that. <laughs> Yep. I forget that too. I find myself just going through the motions. Right. Quick and it's kind of like, because it's like, I kind of, I think it's cause I liken it to inventory. I think that's yeah. the problem. And it's like, sometimes you just, <laughs> it sounds so bad, but sometimes you're like, just get it done. Just get it done. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it's hard to get out of that mentality. And like a friend of mine said a long time ago, Sarah, you have to remember why you're doing this. Are you doing it for the love? Are you doing it for the money? Yeah. And I'm doing it for the love. Um, if I was doing it for the money, yeah. Yeah, you know, I would have gotten out a long time ago, like probably 90% of the other carvers that are out there, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not for the faint of heart to be doing this. You have got to want to do this. This is not a job that is going to be, you're not going to be getting handed piles of cash. You are going to bleed for this job. You know, you're going to sweat for this job and you're going to give everything for this because you're creating like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a chainsaw, but that's your tool you're still creating and you're still taking something that nature gave us and you're turning it into a vision of what you see, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just, you have to remember that sometimes it's just a little refresher course, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's good to stop and reflect and think, 
think about things. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so what helps you work to develop your own unique style? Um, this is um, a little bit of what we were talking about before, and I'll just expand on it a little bit. Um, reference pictures. <laughs> yeah. Reference pictures helped me um, with my style. Um, looking at art, any type of art, um, like me and my daughter, we do all sorts of, we go to art museums, we go to art parks, we go all over the place. Um, even looking on online, even looking for reference pictures, um, what, what draws my eye? Um, is it a certain look? Is it a certain pose? Um, what, you know, when I'm looking at even other people's work, even carvers or whatever, what is it about it? What am I looking at? What's the first thing my eye is drawn to? Is it a shape? Is it a line? Is it the flow of hair? Like, what is that? Um, mm -hmm. that to me is kind of what I, I, I always see in my pieces, um, it's generally a line that I'm looking for. Like when I start a carving, uh, I generally have a shape or a line in mind. And that's kind of the backbone of my carving. So everything is kind of built off of that, right? Okay. Um, yeah. So when, when I am using, like that's just for your design. Like just what your eye is drawn to is just your design. When you switch that from design to tool work, using your tool to create these shapes and these lines it's pretty much about using that tool to its utmost and finding a flow while you're using this tool whether it be music whether it be the mood whether it be your lighting whether it be um the environment that you're carving in um getting into a flow i guess is kind of what helps me put my best my best design out um I know that kind of sounds weird, but what I guess my unique style would be is just the flow of things, the S curves, the negative space, um, my detail work and my absolute love for nature and detail in nature, like mushrooms and bark and the environment that whatever it is I'm carving is in. Like I like to kind of include little pieces, um, in, you know, in some carvings, like little pieces of say a wolf, little pieces of the mushrooms that the wolf is around or the raven that's hanging out with the wolves or um, the type of tree that he's leaning against, you know, or the ferns or whatever. Like to me, yeah. that's kind of my, what I would say would be my style, but the major thing is flow and the amount of character that you can put into something um, and just kind of have it really speak to people. If I can have one of my pieces like speak to someone or get an emotion out of somebody, then that's kind of like my job is done. Like that's, that's kind of what I want. I want them to connect with my pieces. And if they don't, then yeah. it just means that I'm not doing a good enough job when I'm carving to me, you know? Um, yeah. but it's like, I guess as style goes, I have learned a lot just by taking, um, a lot in and watching people and how do they hold the saw and, trying stuff, you know, trying things at home and just trying to push my saw a little bit more or try to push a line, um, like on, on the, on the fur of a wolf. Like there's just this really cool line that you can get to create so much flow and just trying to experiment a little. And sometimes it doesn't work. Um, but for me, it's always just the realness factor and I don't always nail it. <laughs> sometimes I suck at it so bad. I'm like, Oh my God, what are you doing? But, um, Oh it's just, I don't know. I guess that would be my style. I don't really know if I have a style. I think I do. I, I, I think I've got something like, I know that when you look at some people's stuff, you can immediately tell whose is whose. Like, I think I have, right. have, I don't, I don't really know. I'm not everybody else. I just, I, I know I've got something. I just, I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think style is one of those things that even if you have it, it's always developing and evolving. Mm. Um, and when you talk about trying to create a piece that will connect with someone, I think it was really good advice when you said, you know, you and your daughter get out and look at a lot of art and you're looking at other people's art and you're noticing how people carve. Cause I know I, right now I'm trying to teach my students how to take a great photograph where like you connect with the person's eyes, you know, in a portrait. Mm -hmm. And how do you explain, you know, how to get 
make sure the person you're photographing that their eyes look alive. Right. Right. How do you, and so we're looking at, well, you know, see all these portraits, their eyes don't look alive and see all these portraits, how they do. Now, what, what makes these eyes look alive and these eyes look, you know, zoned out or not connecting with the person. It's, it's, it's one of those things that's so, I don't want to say it's subjective, but it's really hard to define. It is. So I think like you said, when you're, when you're looking at all kinds of stuff, um, you can start to see the patterns, though, and you can start to see what you connect with. Well, yeah, and that, I mean, like, that comes out completely. Um, whatever you like in art is going to come out. Like, if you like Salvador Dali or yeah. if you like, you know, M.C. Escher, like, you're going to be drawn to a certain style. And, of course, that's going to come out if you're creating um, or it's going right. to have an influence on it. You know, it might not come out like that, but it'll definitely have an influence. And I just, I think that's cool. I think you're right though. It, it is changing. Like what I, what attracted me eight years ago might not attract me in the same way anymore, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's the cool part about evolving as an artist. Like I think about Scott Dow all the time. Like the dude blows my mind. He just, he does different stuff like almost on a daily basis. And it's like, I've never yeah. seen that before. Like I've half the stuff he's done, I've never seen before. And you know, you think you've seen it all. And then you're like, oh my God. How can you even do that with a chainsaw? <laughs> like, uh-huh. you know, it just, I love that. I love that about the artists that we have in our community. Like, I love that people are constantly pushing that bar and they're constantly just getting better and things are constantly changing in our world, chainsaw carving world. Like, I love that. And it's also scary because sometimes you feel like you're going to get like left behind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just that you, yeah. you can't keep up. But I mean, I'm not really worried about that. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and changing on my own. But I love seeing what is going on in, in our carving world. Like, I just think it's cool. I just, mm-hmm. I wish there was more females out there carving. And maybe there are, I, yeah. I don't really know. I just, I don't, you don't hear that much about girls carving. So right. I don't know. I wish that, I wish that we were a little bit more of a, of a force, but I'm very proud of, of where we've come as female carvers. Um, you know, I just, I think it's really important to um, just stay true to yourself as a carver, whether you're male or female, um, and let your art speak, you know, let your art kind of. Yeah, well, I think I've lately, at least online, I feel like I've talked to more and more female carvers. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but I, I don't know if a lot of them are and not that they have to, but I don't know if a lot of them are doing events or com- competitions. Right. Because I know a lot of competitions that want a female carver struggle because there's only, you know, a handful of us around. And right. um, if if a few of us can't go, they're, they're like, oh, now what? Right. You know? <laughs> and, and I don't know if some of them, they just can't find them or if they're not just not wanting to carve you know in public events or well that's Jen has always said that to me she's like Sarah there are more female carvers out there than you think they are just not in the public eye and it's exactly what you said they might not want to be or they might not think they're good you know I'm I'm paraphrasing but they maybe they don't think that they are worthy enough or good enough or because I struggled with that like I don't, I don't want to get up in front of people. What are you talking about? You're nuts. You know, like, <laughs> no, <laughs> what if I, what if I make something that looks phallic? What if I make a mistake? What if I do this? What if, and I'm like, oh my God. Right. And I just did it. I know. I've always been really good about just going for it. Yeah. Like scared or not. But I wonder, I wonder if it would help, you know, like if you brought, brought someone with you, right? Like bring a buddy. <laughs> like, um, You'll be fine in this comp. I'll go with you. We'll carve next to each other type of thing. Because I know I, the way that I got started is I just got pressured into it. Oh, really? And, yeah. And just decided, I I think I can do this because I, I, yeah. And so maybe it would be like peer support. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. Like buddy, like buddy just yeah. carving. Tag, you're in. You're in. Yeah. That would be, that would be cool. Yeah. I don't know. I just. I, I'm glad that we're out there. I'm glad we're doing it. Um, and I just hope to see more of us. And it's, you know, I'm not really involved with, I don't know, being online and stuff like that. I'm not, I don't really have that big of a presence and nor do I really want it. Like I was, I didn't even want to get Google yeah. because I'm not a fan, but anyways, um, yeah, you know what I mean? Like I just, I do my thing and I have the people that I talk to and sometimes I, I really, miss the carving world um and I feel like I'm disconnected from it because you know maybe I haven't done anything like 
events or something in like five months or four months or whatever. So it's kind of like you get this little itch where you're like, you, you need to go be around some, some carvers. <laughs> you know, right. you kind of need to go talk to some people who, you know, understand you a little bit. Like you get that sometimes I do anyways, where you just kind of feel like you need to, you need to go be around your, your people sometimes, you know? Yeah. And it's, yeah, it kind of feeds you. Yeah, it does. And it's like getting your soul recharged a little bit and just having people understand where you're coming from and everybody smells like two stroke and life is good, you know, uh-huh. it's just, <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> yeah. So is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to? Um, mm, no. Okay. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, no, I, mean, I think we did good. I, don't think, I think we did good. Well, I think we did good. Yeah. It's been really good having you on, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for yeah. thanks for thinking of me and asking me out. It was pretty cool. No problem. <laughs> that was fun being able to talk to Sarah. We have known each other digitally for quite a while, but we've actually never been able to carve together. Thanks for listening to the Chainsaw Carving Podcast. We also have other episodes, so make sure that you go and check those out. And if you like the Chainsaw Carving Podcast, make sure that you like it, share it, send it to a friend. Um, If you have any ideas for who I should interview next, you can email me at wistywoodworks at gmail.com.